It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Hi, uh, I'm Mike. I have the great privilege to be your pastor. Praise the Lord. I reserve that applause for the Lord God Almighty. He's the one that's called me to this, and I just give him all the praise, glory, and honor. Uh, If you knew me growing up uh, in Boise, uh, you'd know me as a shy kid uh, who was at the altar every Sunday and getting the lowest grade he ever got in speech class. And so God has a great sense of humor. And I just want to give him glory. Well, uh, we're here, praise God. Uh, Some of our stuff is still in McCall. I was telling someone just a little bit ago, I've got to go up after church to McCall to the church, my my church study up there, and uh, get all my study materials. And so uh, we'll see what the Lord does with the the loaves and fishes here this morning. Uh, All my regular books and stuff that I use are up, up there. And so... Um, we'll just let God do what he wants to do, right? Well, hey, you, you can see that I brought my baggage with me. Aren't you glad? <laughs> you know it's my baggage because it's got the Nazarene logo on it right there. Yeah. Hey, uh, we, we do that because when we're at airports, no one has a Nazarene logo. Except for General Assembly when you go and your, your luggage is going around the carousel. <laughs> and then you don't know whose is whose, so you have to look for the tag. But you know, we've all got some kind of baggage that we brought not just my family, but uh, you have baggage. Maybe yours is unpacked. Ours is slowly getting unpacked. These are light, so I'm pretty sure they're empty. I won't take out any unmentionables uh, while I'm up here this morning. But when we think about life, life just likes to give us baggage. And a lot of times we see the negative aspects of what this baggage is. For some, it's unresolved conflict in our lives. Things that we just never got to resolve for one reason or another. And we're just carrying it around with us. And it's not like like this because a lot of the times those things are heavy on our minds and they wake us up in the middle of the night. And, and that anxiety or that stress that's caused by those things that are not yet resolved or have no hope of being resolved are with us. And so through life, we carry that baggage around. Other times, it's, it's the baggage that when we think about it, um, we've just messed up somewhere along the way. And while other people have forgiven us, while other people have said, I forgive you, it's okay, let it go, we can't let it go. And and so we just carry that around with us as well and and our failures that we just can't seem to let go of. Maybe for a little bit, but again, it's those weak times that they come back and, and we remember them. There's other kinds of baggage that we carry around with us. Sometimes the, the baggage is just the burden that we carry. It might be something that's just so laid on our heart, so so heavy that we just can't seem to get rid of it. And so no matter where we go, it's with us. And it's usually right by our heart. For some of us, that's a good baggage that we take because it's the passion and the desire to see someone enter into the kingdom of God. And that person's name is on our heart. I don't think that baggage is so heavy because that's something that we submit to the Lord. Because that's something we lay at the feet of Jesus. For him to call them. For him to be the one that takes that load for us. You know, sometimes our baggage is bad attitudes. 
Man, do you ever have one of those days where you wake up and whatever your family does is going to be wrong that day? <laughs> you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed, which is difficult to do if your bed is up against the wall and that's the side you usually get up on. The bad attitudes that we develop, that we have, sometimes the baggage we carry around and sometimes just large like this are just the bad experiences that we've had in life. Maybe we did not cause them. They were done to us. And those bad experiences we just can't seem to get rid of. That's the negative side of baggage. You know, when we tell our young people when they choose a mate or when God leads them to someone, we always tell them, hey, try to figure out what baggage they're carrying with them. Go to premarital counseling and let's, let's unpack that baggage and see if we can deal with it. But the baggage is not always a negative thing. Sometimes the baggage is a positive thing. I think of my own life, and I think of the times that God has answered prayer. I mean, like big-time prayer requests. We prayed for over 22 years that God uh, would allow us to come back to Idaho. Well, my wife had come to visit, but I grew up here. And so, uh, you know, I was in California, and we were having kids and pastoring in Central Valley of California. And we always prayed, God, if you open the door, we'd love to. And eight years ago, he opened that door for us to go to McCall. We praise God for that. You know, sometimes those big prayer requests can be baggage, and we just think back to those things all the time. Sometimes those uh, little tiny baggage, but maybe it grows into something big when we think about it, are the blessings that we receive in life. Maybe it's that good job that you got that just doesn't only pay the bills, but man, it goes even further than that, provides a little bit extra that you can uh, bless the Lord and His work throughout the world. Sometimes baggage is the blessings that we have. We don't consider that baggage because that's a positive thing, but sometimes it is, and we carry that around with us. Again, it's not a bad thing, but it's still baggage nonetheless. Sometimes it's our successes in life. Those one-hit wonders, maybe for some of us, where you did that one great thing and it was successful and everyone's still talking about it, even yourself, maybe. Sometimes that's baggage, and there's good experiences that we've gone through that can be baggage. Our time in McCall, it was some big-time good experiences. Some bad ones thrown in there, too, but I consider that a blessing. And so I come to you with all this baggage, but I know you have baggage as well. You've got expectations for what the pastor is supposed to be like. What are you supposed to say? Maybe I've met some of them by wearing a tie. Don't get used to it, but I, I'm just saying. You know, my first Sunday in McCall, I wore a tie. It was my best tie that my mom gave me so many years ago. I wear it on Christmas and Easter. A good friend of mine, he threatened to cut it off if I ever wore it again. I said, oh, I, I get the message loud and clear. They had an expectation. You've got other expectations of a pastor's family the way they should act, the way they should behave. There, there's things that you expect because the Word says it, and, and we pray that we live up to that. You've got expectations and baggage from your fellow church members, your fellow church attenders. There's these things that we just carry with us. And we're going to talk about what do we do with this, because when we think about what God wants us to do, we're at a place where we need to kind of make a decision. We can continue to try to live in the past, 
to continue to try to carry all this baggage with us wherever we go and whatever we do. But if you'll notice, we can't do much because our hands are filled with this baggage. So how can I give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name during the summer to someone that really needs us if my hands are full? I brought a bottle of water, but I can't really get to it. I I could try, but I look stupid trying to do it if I have all this stuff in my hands. You know, how can we bend down and, and wash another's feet and serve them if we have stuff in our hands? How can we come alongside and, and, and comfort another who's hurting if we've got the baggage of the past still with us? The, the blessings and the not so much blessings. We, we've got to free those hands up for God to use. And when we consider uh, the quote and the main idea for this morning, if you get nothing else, just get this. The past is a great place to celebrate and learn from, but it's a terrible place to dwell because God is up to something new right now today. And he's up to something new in your life right now today if you'll just see what he's doing. And so this morning, there's two challenges of new things, whether it's a new pastor, whether it's a new home, remembering where you packed what, toothbrushes especially, Now, we've brushed our teeth, but we might have shared toothbrushes this morning. (laughs) Just letting you know that. Well, there's two challenges that I want to talk about this morning, and I first want to look to the Word because I believe the Word speaks to these two things. This is where I get the points this morning from uh, God's Word, the Gospel, or excuse me, the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. And we're going to start this morning, just a few verses, uh, 18 through 21. If you're able to, would you stand this morning and receive God's Word? Hear now the word of the Lord from the prophet Isaiah. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God this morning. You can be seated. We think about the context of this, and you know, this section just a few chapters before started this great time in Isaiah of of consolation, of kind of comforting to the people of God, Israel, in captivity, in Babylon specifically here, if I'm not mistaken, and God is just trying to comfort them trying to bring them along, to give them some hope. They've been through some horrible stuff, but not horrible stuff caused just randomly. I mean, some of it was their own making, their own choices that they made against God, their own choices to go against what God had said. And not just, oops, I made a mistake, but continually over and over getting into these unhealthy patterns of life and living as the nation, as the people of God. And here God tells them something great. After describing um, God's mercy toward Israel and delivering them from Egypt and the great and dramatic way in which he did that by parting the Red Sea, by escaping the Egyptian army, by wandering through the wilderness, all these things, the great Lord God Almighty, the prophet, God says through the prophet Isaiah in verse 18 again, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Are you kidding me? How do we do that? And I remember some stuff I did and got in trouble for when I was a kid, like a really little kid. It's hard to forget. 
But can you consider being the people of God, Israel, in captivity, and they remember the great and mighty exodus? The, the, the great way that God saved them? Splitting the sea, drowning the Egyptian army, leading them through the desert, providing for their needs. It was powerful. But that's kind of the challenge of new things for all of us, my family included. We're leaving a great church family, guys. And I call them family because that's what they are. Skeeter Shaw's here this morning, and she was my prayer warrior from the first time I stepped foot in McCall. Still is today, thanks be to God. Well, she was there when we came. She's family. I hope that I can consider you family, and I believe I can. But there's new things. There's, there's new things that are going to be happening. But the, the first challenge of new things is forgetting. The challenge of our past. Again, the Lord says, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. You know, there's a danger to remembrance, to always just living in remembering. If we begin just to think about all the things God used to do, there's going to be a point in our life where that's all we think that God can do. We don't believe that God can do something new and spectacular in our own lives. But yeah, you know, I once said that prayer down at an altar on a Sunday night, Sunday morning maybe, Wednesday night. I asked Jesus to be my Savior and and I'm good. And we remember back to those times where we asked Christ to become our Savior, but He wants so much more for us to grow up in Him. We don't realize that perhaps we have gifts and talents that God wants to use to bless other people, to bless not just His people in the congregation of a church, but also in the world. And so if we dwell in the past, if we stay back there, if we just remember the good old days, we can never have new eyes and a fresh vision to see what God wants to do next. Now, I love this church. Several of my uh, members in McCall when I was there, they have family here, and so we're well acquainted with Mountain View Church of the Nazarene. We're well acquainted with Pastor Chuck. You don't think God has a sense of humor Pastor Chuck was my interim pastor while I was on sabbatical this last year. We didn't work out any secret deals, I promise, to try to get here. This was the last place I would ever expect God to move me. I still thought you guys would vote no on me a year or a month ago. At least one of you did. That's all right. I love you. But you know, when we think about the past... The danger of just living in the remembrance of it is we don't realize God's right by us saying, hey, would you look at this? This is great. Would you try this? This is new. I know new can be scary, but, but just give it a chance. You know, the difficulty of dwelling in the past is that not only do we miss out on what God wants to do right here and right now and into the future, but there's this trouble that we have of not reaching anybody else, of not seeing the need of our neighbor right next to us. Hey, for sure, for salvation, Amen. that they need to know who Jesus Christ is as Savior. But also, we don't see the needs that are piling up right in front of us to where we're able to help them. You know, sometimes the greatest need a lot of people have is just for someone to listen to them. Do you realize that? 
If you've got good hearing or even marginal hearing and, and two ears and you can listen to somebody, God wants to use that because there's a lot of lonely people in our world. I heard this morning uh, in Sunday school some concern about the fentanyl crisis, um, not just in our world, but right in our area, even in Homedale. People are looking to other things. If they can't find that ear, that will just listen to them. I know, I don't think you have these people in Homedale. I usually ran into them in the, in the grocery store in McCall. But they just will talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and then talk some more and, and you'll have a conclusion just like a pastor's message about five times during the whole course of the conversation. But those are valuable conversations. Even if you don't think they are, that's a need someone has. I know there's appropriate boundaries and such. That's a whole other topic, a whole other sermon. But if we dwell in the past and live in the past, we're going to miss out on the needs of the people right here, right now, and especially those for salvation. Now, I'm not going to say that um, God wanted them to forget everything because there was something called the Passover that they were still supposed to practice, and that's a remembering something in the past. When we have the Lord's Supper, not only is it a, 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 a table that we remember, but it's also something that happens in the present, but that has a forward outlook for it. And we're not having communion this morning, so I'll save that for another time. So it doesn't mean don't ever think about it. But what it means is uh, take your past and take that baggage and lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Learn from the mistakes. Try to resolve all you can those seemingly unresolvable issues in your life. And give it to God. I know it sounds churchy, right? Because it is. But it's also real. And it's also effective. When we take those hurts and we say, God, help me to forgive this person. God, would you help me to, to get over this thing that's probably minor to them. They probably don't even know about it, but yet I remember it. Help me to lay that baggage in front of you at the foot of the cross. and Lord, even those great things you did in my life, those times you cured me from cancer, the, the time that you answered my prayer that I thought was unanswerable. God, I, I thank you for that. And Lord, I lay that at your feet with great remembrance and great gratitude, great thanksgiving to say, thank you, God. You're amazing. But I know you still want to do things like this in my life in the next breath, in the next step. Hey, I stand here this morning on the shoulders of some great pastors that have pastored this church. Ones I don't know about, ones I do know about. Think of Pastor Chuck. I consider him a friend. I consider him a mentor in some ways. I think of Pastor Les, who I've only talked to a few times, but I've watched the live streams enough texted with him a lot. I think of a Pastor Jason this morning and his good work here and the things that he has done and continues to do. And these are great people that we can say thanks be to God. What comes next? You see, we forget so it doesn't bind us up. We forget so that it doesn't trip us up so that we can do the next thing the Scripture says in verse 19. 
see, or I like the King James, behold, that's a great word, <laughs> behold, see that I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams and the wastelands. But there's also a challenge there. You see, while we say that the, the, great, uh, the past is a great place to learn from, the past is a great place to visit maybe now and again, but it's a terrible place to live. So we must move from memory to hope and hope in the practical sense. You see, the challenge regarding the future is fourfold. And I know that the pizza's probably out of the oven and I've got to hurry in eight minutes, so Lord help us. Yeah, way to pressure the new guy. Your favorite food is pizza and it's going to get cold unless you hurry up. That's all right. That's all right. I can hurry. Really quickly. The first part of the challenge is trusting God's promise. When God has promised you something to trust Him in that read this morning in Genesis, and again, in Sunday school. If you don't go to Sunday school, man, you ought to go to Sunday school. Wasn't there a song, everybody ought to go to Sunday school? Go to Sunday school. We read about the, the promise that God made to Abram, that you will be a great nation. And then before the chapter's over, he's already committing sin and lying about his wife not being his. Man, we can't let fear stop us from trusting and having faith in God and the promise that he gives you. If you're praying for someone to be saved, you're praying for someone to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, don't give up. Don't let fear stop you. Continue to pray that that person may be saved, but you've also got to be ready if God calls on you to share the good news with that person that you're able and available to do it because you've already laid your baggage down at the foot of the cross. So you've got to trust God's promise. I am doing a new thing. But you've also got to experience God's presence. I love what it says in this. Again, verse 19. I am doing a new thing. I am making a way. The I am is with you. God Almighty is with you. He is present with you. His Spirit is moving us as a body of Christ. We've got to see and trust God's promise, but to see that He's still moving us, He's still working. Don't believe the lies that say, oh, the church is dead, the church is passe. It had its time in, in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, maybe the 80s and 90s, but for the most part, it's not relevant anymore. Don't believe that lie. It's as relevant as you have relationships with unbelievers. I don't know if that made sense to you. As long as you have a connection to the world, you are relevant because you are going to be salt and you are going to be light to have an influence on them for all eternity if you'll trust God's promise. Trust God's heart that none should be saved or none should be um, perished, but all should come to repentance. So we trust God's promise. We experience His presence. The I am is with us. I am who I am, God said in Exodus 3, 14. But we've got to envision God's power. If we're going to see, and the challenge regarding the future is not only faith, it's not only the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in our own lives, but it's envisioning God's power at work. And that's hard for us to do. 
Because sometimes we, we just want to see it here and we want to know how it works and sometimes we don't. I'm kind of a sciencey kind of guy, a techie kind of guy, and I like to know how things work and how they work together. But sometimes it's okay to have the mystery of God at work where we're like, dude, I don't know how that works. It's just awesome. And just to experience that. I love what the Scripture says. God's going to make a way in the wilderness, streams in the desert or streams in the wasteland. By God's power, He's going to do that. It's kind of the opposite, the flip-flop of the Exodus, right? Instead of parting the sea and making dry ground, now God's going to make dry ground wet with water, with streams, so that people can drink and bathe and do everything that's necessary, feed their livestock. God's power at work in in hopeless situations, in helpless situations. God is there, and God is moving, and God is working. I hope in your life you have that kind of faith to have that kind of vision. That God can do something with hardly anything. Some loaves and fishes, He can feed this many people? What? With this kind of young lady who seems to be caught up in a scandal, God's going to bring forth the Messiah? What? God's going to look at this wasteland and He's going to bring streams here? I mean, it's God at work. I want to be part of that working, don't you? Isn't that exciting? Say, God, whatever you can do, let's see it. We want to be a part of it. But also the challenge regarding the future is not the faith, only the faith to trust God's promise, not only the uh, experience of God's presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God with you, not only seeing and envisioning God's power at work in your life and the lives of others, But last and not least, certainly, it's enjoying God's provision. Enjoying the fact that God provides for you. Man, I think about times in my own life, in the life of my family, where God has come through where we just didn't know how ends were going to be met. My kids could probably tell you stories that I don't even remember. But God came through. And here it says uh, in the Scripture, There's going to be so much water that God's people are going to be able to drink. But not just that, the wild animals will honor God. The jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. Other people get blessed when we let God work and we can see the future and see how God wants to work. When we're enjoying God's provision, we share or that is shared with others. I don't know about you, in McCall, we just took our, um, our alabaster offering, right? We do it did it twice a year. Isn't it amazing what God does with alabaster offerings? I mean, pennies that you lose in your couch and then you go fish them out for the alabaster offering, maybe with some chip crumbs or some french fries in there. I don't know where you dig at, but that's my experience. With those dimes and nickels, maybe some quarters, God does amazing things. He provides for his church. He provides for his people. And that provision leads us to a proclamation of praise. When God provides, we can't help but praise Him. We can't help but say, thank you, Jesus. I didn't know how this was going to come through, but you did it. Praise, honor, and glory be to God. You know, these challenges of forgetting but also seeing kind of reminded me of a a passage, a New Testament passage in in the Philippians chapter 3. 
Philippians 3, 10 through 14, the Apostle Paul writing to the church here at Philippi. I'll actually start at verse, well, yeah, we'll start 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul essentially says the same thing as God told the prophet Isaiah. Forget what is behind you and strain forward. Press ahead. In high school, I ran track, and so this really resonates with me. Not that I was one that was at the front that could strain and lean forward and and have the tape cross your chest, and then you raise your hands. I was the guy huffing and puffing, trying to finish the 400 meter and, and at least come in not last. I had a great time at the JV tournaments as a senior, <laughs> but that ain't supposed to happen that way. We forget what happened in the past. We've laid it at the feet of Jesus, and now we look heavenward. Okay, God, what's next? And folks, that's what I want to do. I want us to appreciate what God has done in our lives, in this congregation, in this church. But we can't live back there. I can't live here having my mind fixed on McCall and all the great things God did up there. I've got to see what God wants to do now through me, in you, and through us all. For the power, by the power of God, through His Holy Spirit. We've got people that need to be reached, folks. I see empty spaces in the seats out there. They need to be filled, right? Not for the sake of statistics but for the fact that every person in a seat in here represents that God is working and doing something in the life of someone for eternity with an eternal difference. So as we close here, two minutes over, some action steps. Celebrate those past victories and blessings. I mean celebrate them and then put them to bed. Learn from the past mistakes, but you've got to move on because God wants to do something in you now. Don't don't miss out what God wants to do, because it's awesome. And then together, over the next several months especially, and however long that God has us here, we want to envision the new that God can do. And the new that God can do right now. And then let's not stand in the way, and let's see what He does. It's not a passive thing, it's active. Because God's going to call you to be a part of that. Would you be a part of that? Let me pray, and then I'm going to invite Jason to come up. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this time we've had together in your word. Lord, I pray and I trust that your spirit has taken the word to the heart of every person gathered. Lord, help us to think of the baggage we need to lay down at the foot of the cross. And Lord, the, the, the vision that you want to give us for not only ourselves but for this entire congregation as to what's the next step. Lord, we're trusting you with this. We're trusting in your spirit, Father, to guide us and lead us through your word, Lord, and through the love that we have for our community. God, we pray that you'll be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name we do ask this.
I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.